0: 中文字幕志愿者 Welcome to the Shoshu Podcast, episode number two. This podcast is part of the training at Shoshu.com. We offer a virtual kwan, a virtual, virtual martial arts training facility, and as a part of that facility, we are trying to reproduce all of the same exact experience that you would have in a physical kwan. We found that through today's technology, we can come pretty close to doing that and in some ways even do it better. So. The podcast is the storytelling ta- and principles part of that quan. Martial arts as has a rich history in storytelling. Uh, lots of the wisdom and that sort of thing is is taught through the storytelling, and it's one of the ways that we as humans communicate very well. So, this podcast we've developed as a large part of the training if you are not yet involved in the martial arts training offered by us and you would like to be you can register for free at shoshu.com that's www.shoushu.com and we hope to see you there on the mat so uh With our podcast today, today's episode, we're going to talk about what I kind of call the Grand Unified Theory of Shoshu. Uh, It's not exactly unified because there's three rules and a Grand Unified Theory would have one, but oh well. So when people ask, what is Shoshu? As a matter of fact, I get this question all the time um, from the experts from other arts and people that bounce around YouTube and that sort of thing, and they're they're like, show us your art. What is it about? And to tell the truth, I'm not really interested in doing that. I am interested in uh, taking people step by step through the art in the way that they're going to learn it. Because quite simply, if you have not started and learned the principles from square one, the basic fundamentals, it makes absolutely no sense to teach things that are more advanced. Because even though a person may have the advanced skill in some other martial art, I've found that that advanced skill does not translate to any advanced skill in Shoshu. And the hazard there is that we may use some of the same terminology and you may hear you know words used a certain way that may may or may not mean the same thing, and I find this a lot. We find uh, you know we've got videos online about different things like print center line or center or what have you, and we'll have comments that go one of two ways. And the first way is that's not what center line is means in. Insert name of art here, and then the other way it goes is these are very basic, un- basic understandings. These are very fundamentals, um, very basic. So nothing fancy, and yeah, that's true. However, I've not, I've yet to see somebody actually demonstrate knowledge of that. They, I've, I've read a number of books I that have. Uh, they may talk about the principles, and you're like you you read it and you're like, yeah, they, they know what they're saying, but i've yet to see it actually demonstrated to the level that I would expect it to be demonstrated because it's like uh you know i read an I read an analogy or or actually a friend of mine told me this analogy, and he said the definition of an expert." is the number of differentiations a person can make upon in a given subject and he gave the the analogy of barbecuing you know and i thought, what is it, it it really didn't it took a bit for it to sink in with me but once it did i was like yeah that's exactly it and what he said is he has a friend who is an expert in barbecuing and for me barbecuing you know I, I, I'm okay at barbecuing, I can usually get rare, medium rare, medium and burnt, <laughs> but th- that's about it, but he said his friend had, I don't remember how many different differentiations, but, you know, 27 different differentiations of the state of, a, of something barbecued, and that's what, an, that's expert level. He understands the barbecue so well that he could, I, I don't know what those differentiations are, um, but he could, you know, differentiate between this was at a certain temperature, uh, at for this long and then went to this temperature or, or whatever those are. But he recognizes within his knowledge base all of these differentiations to where myself, um, three or four is, is really about it. So, you know, 27 is a much higher level of expert and maybe there's more, I don't know what that exact number is. So when you talk about these basic martial arts skills, it's kind of the, the same thing. You could go, well, I'm talking about shift of center line. That can be differentiated in that one principle in at least seven different ways because there's seven different animals. Um, there's really seeing... The um, really understanding what that means, and that's where expert level comes in. So, what my point here is that someone may say, "Oh, yeah, I, I know it. Uh, I know what drive from the ground is. That's a basic martial arts principle." But there's actually far more differentiations within that one principle than most people will see. And so, if somebody comes in with their their cup proverbially, proverbially full, then they'll go, oh yeah, that's just, you know, basic drive from the ground, and I already know that, so there's nothing here. And so, anyway, that's, that's the thing that happens a lot online. And that's okay. People will recognize it, and people will see it and go, hey, I'm into this, or hey, I'm not, and it's self-selecting, and we're okay with that. But the point is here that we're making our our goal here is to start from square one to understand to make these understandings very basic and build from there. Because if you don't have that, the rest is useless and the rest is is it's actually detrimental to learn the higher level stuff. I get emails all the time saying, "Hey, can you uh, you know videotape the mongoose form or the crane form and all that?" And uh, no, <laughs> you know that. <laughs> It wouldn't make sense to somebody. Um, we consider those forms a um, kind of your... That's your diploma in a sense. And yeah, they have gotten out there and people have them. And I've actually seen a uh, a video of somebody doing the mongoose form. And I have no idea where they got it because it's the techniques, but it's not the principle. And it it's even hard for me to recognize the form because it's so... Different from in principle and it's not carrying actually mongoose principles, but they're the mongoose technique So the, somebody got it and it's out there um, And that's too bad. But anyway, the subject for today um, That's just kind of a, a prelude to it. The subject today is something a little different It's about what is Shoshu and you can approach this in in a lot of different ways and the one way That most people approach that, especially people who have been doing it a while, is that Shoshu is a beast art, and that it's a seven-beast art. And so those beasts, if if you don't know, are the bear, the tiger, the mongoose, the white crane, the praying mantis, the cobra, and the dragon. And in one sense, that's a a good way of saying what Shoshu is, but I want to go far more basic than that. Um, those things, um, are variations of Shoshu, and, um, there's actually one more, which is actually the combination of all those, and technically, if you want to say, what is Shoshu, it would be the combination of all those animals, but that doesn't tell you a lot if you, if you don't know those animals. I mean, there's lots of, there's lots of animal-based arts out there, and, Again, that maybe be hearing that Shoshu is this animal art, then you might say, oh, it's like that. And there's, you know, there's five animal this and seven animal that and oh, it's like that. And from my experience, it's not. Um, I think uh from my experience, the application of those animals, how a person moves in those animals um, is different from what I have seen elsewhere. Um, I, you know, I just, I went and trained with, um, a friend who happens to be a, a uh, very proficient Hungarian. Hungar. He's a, I'm not sure what degree of black belt. I didn't even get into the subject, but we did train together. And, um, to me it looked like, oh yeah, there's, you know, there's some tiger and there's some bear in there. The difference was in, in that, in, in Shoshu is that these when we do these, they're very differentiated. They, when you're doing bear, it's pure, pure bear. When you're doing tiger, and that, that's something I saw. We'll get into why that's important uh, for learning shoshu at some point. So, um, But anyway, that is not the subject for today. That's just why, how most people would describe it. I would do that um, at some point. I would just start to describe it that way, but at the beginning level, we'll describe it much differently. So how would I describe it, Shoshu, I would describe, and I, over the years I've always searched for this, for this, this, this description. How can you really define it? And um, my grandmaster defined it in one way, and um, I'm going to give you that way because it's actually a part of the way that I would describe it. In and. He was just stating it in one sentence, which is, by the way, a great way to do it. It's a little bit of a an elevator speech, and it gives uh, people a great understanding. So I, I loved his explanation, and I certainly, absolutely, 100% use it. But the explanation did not cover all of the things necessary to define it. So there's a couple of things that need to be added to that explanation. And to, to actually define it, saying with this is Shoshu, because, and you'll hear what these are in just a moment, because the, the, the rule number one, you can have that and not have Shoshu if you don't have rule number two and number three. So that being said, let's get into rule number one. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and rattle off all three, and then we're going to go back through and explain what they are. Rule number one is flowing focused Chi a lot of people say that flowing focus and Chi I prefer to say it flowing focused Chi and in a, a simple definition of that is your energy is always directed and it's always moving okay so we'll come right back to that one because that's our most important and that is the one that my grandmaster would say rule number two. Is it must always immediately take your opponent's center line. So you're simply taking balance of your opponent, and you do it in the first motion immediately. It's not something where you're going to do a few things and then take your opponent's center line. You have to take center line immediately. Rule number three is block all possibilities. Now, at first glance, that may seem like, well, that's, that's impossible. You can't block the possibility of anything that can be thrown at you. And we'll get into the discussion, but in a sense, you can. Um, if you're following the right rules here. Okay. So, anyway, we're going to come back to two and three. Let's start off with flowing focused chi. So, Flowing focus chi. And, you know, I see this argument between hard style and soft style, like, all the time. Are you a hard style art or a soft style start art? And I think I, I really have a problem with the question. Because it's just, you can't be one or the other. Some arts will look softer and some will look harder. And really transfer energy. You have to be both, and the true nature of skill, and the higher level you go in the skill, one of the most, one of the things that you will really truly see, as far as energy transmission, is the ability to blend those, okay, and in some, some different animal styles that we do, you know, you'll see, like, the bear, it will appear more hard and the Cobra may appear more soft, but within all of those um, You're gonna have a combination of hard and soft and it's just a matter of how does that beast? blend those two things when you're soft soft will generally give you speed and Soft will give you the fluidity soft will give you the flow and all those those things, and the hard is going to give you reinforcement, which helps you transfer your energy, and all those things. But it's really those are all good things. Those are all things that you need. You wouldn't want to be just oh I just can reinforce because then you'd be a stone, and you can be oh I I'm just flowy. Then you're water, and you know contrary to popular belief, it's not great to be just water you've got to be like more of a, a transformer. you're for a, a water and for a millisecond you're stone so and it's all about how you do those how you combine those things the yin and the yang how do you combine the soft and the hard um, and you'll see the higher you go that you'll you can understand that combining those becomes more and more intricate or more and more differentiation differentiations so that being said hard and soft it's not about which you are it's about how you're each so flowing focus and chi so first thing is let's talk about chi now a lot of people talk about chi as far as you you hear it quite honestly very woo -woo wooey and I think there's a lot of confusion about chi about what chi is and um, you know, because of the way it's been stated in the past, a lot of people will go, "Oh, that's a bunch of you know what." So, here's my definition of chi. Chi is simply a generic word for energy. And uh, you know, if this uh, is sounding a little windy here, I'm one of my favorite spots out by the river and it's a little windy today so I apologize that but that's where I can open my mind up the best and again my dog enjoys this so um, hope you can bear with it so anyway back to Chi the word she simply a generic word for energy now if we've had in basic science class that energy can be what energy can be kinetic energy so energy can be stored energy we can have uh, energy in the electromagnetic spectrum, so therefore, you know, light, heat, um, any t- anything, X-rays, uh, a- anything in that electromagnetic spectrum. That's a form of energy. Uh, what else? So there's different forms of energy, and but the t- the term chi just means energy, and it can mean any or all of those things. And that's where it gets confusing because the, even though in the English language, we use the word energy as a generic term for energy, that in sometimes, for some reason, it becomes when you say it in the Chinese language, it becomes magical and mystical. So yeah, the the term Qi um, becomes all of a sudden this magical, mystical thing, when really, my definition is just a generic term for energy. Now, are there magical energies running through the body? Yeah, probably. But they're probably not, you know, the what we would think they are. Um, they're functions of the body that we don't understand yet. Um, we've got these, uh, you know, our mind is an amazing thing. We're communicating things through the mind. Lots of things. But that's a totally different subject Um, I think that there are things that can be explained by science or will be explained by science. But don't get into the the woo-woo-y chi. Um, To me, most of the time when we're talking about martial arts, we're talking about kinetic energy um, and possibly stored energy. okay? Because we're hitting things, so that's kinetic energy. Stored energy... Um, maybe a way of, of transferring chi. And how do you store energy? Well, our muscles can act like springs. So, you know, for example, um, the tiger is a very leggy beast where we're using lots of leg strength and all that. Well, we may use one leg to push against the other to spring off from the ground. And so, one, the second leg acted as a spring, and that's stored energy. So, no big deal, just simple. Newtonian physics, right? That's Qi. And in, in our in our regard, we're talking about kinetic or stored Qi. So, um, flowing. So, we're talking about the Shoshu rule number one, flowing focused Qi. We now have the definition of Qi. We have to now have it flowing and focused. Okay. Now, let's start with focused because um that should be pretty pretty easy to understand what it is but how to put it in practice maybe not so much but at least if we can understand what it is well focused is pretty simple if you've ever taken a magnifying glass and take went out in the sun and you started a a piece of paper or something on fire or maybe you did more evil things than that um that's, you're taking the electromagnetic energy, the, the light, and you're focusing it down into a concentrated place. So you're just, you're concentrating, right? Well, when we talk about focus in regards to Shoshu, we're obviously, we're talking about focusing our kinetic energy. So focus. Focus, um, obviously we're directing all of our energy to one spot. Okay. So that means a, a lot of things have to come into play to make flo- focus happen. But focus can happen through several different methodologies. Okay, So when you're talking about a more linear beast such as the bear, focus will happen uh, because of what I call direct line bone reinforcement. So. Um, direct line reinforcement so that means uh, some of you guys have taken just the basic lessons on the site that direct bone reinforcement was introduced early on just in the shot and so that means that your bones and your ligaments and muscles align in such a way that it's very efficient that you are n- not stressing the muscles that the actual alignment the structure of your body is aligning to create the reinforcement. Reinforcement. I mean, it's, it doesn't give. So it's kind of an amazing thing. And, and you know, when I have a new student, I teach that, especially to women, on the first, within the first fifteen minutes. And why do we teach that to women? Especially, I teach it to everybody because everybody's amazed by it. But what's really cool is to see when women get it is that they have never experienced that level of physical strength, generally. Yeah, guys are, they feel their muscles working, and they, you know, they, they're general. This is a generalization, of course, but in general, guys are stronger than women in the upper body. Okay, we'll get into that, how that's not true for the whole body. Women are, can actually be stronger in the lower body. Um, but upper body strength, so guys have felt that strength. Women have never really felt that level of upper body strength. Um, Obviously, again, a generality, you know, don't email me and say I'm wait weightless, li- whatever. I'm just trying to make a point here. But when a woman is able to align the upper body in, say, a chop to where those muscles and those the bones align to the foot, the rear foot on the ground, that that structure is creating the strength. And it feels absolutely effortless. You can put an extreme amount of pressure onto their their hand, push trying to push it back. And if it's lined up perfectly, it'll be effortless. And they'll just sit there and laugh because it's it's a new feeling. And it's a feeling of power and strength, which is totally amazing. So that's reinforcement. Reinforcement is something we teach right away. So reinforcement is one of the aspects of flowing in focus and chi. It's not necessary in all ways of create, of transferring flow focus and she but it's it, it usually is most ways it is um, so reinforcement in the especially in in, in like bear motion or, or tiger or something there's more there's more base animals reinforcement is usually a direct line reinforcement actually more so in the bear it's direct line reinforcement and the tiger you can see where the reinforcement kind of line kind of it doesn't flow all the way through the body it'll come out and back in but again another subject for later so um now here's where reinforcement is not always absolutely necessary for flow for focus you can have some of the more whipping motions that don't rely on direct line reinforcement they'll rely on you know if you crack a whip there's just one point where that tip comes around and it's got extreme velocity so you can do the same thing with the body and so in those cases you wouldn't necessarily have direct line reinforcement um but the energy is all concentrated one in one spot so n- not absolutely necessary to have direct line, line reinforcement but most of the time you do and in some animals you do a hundred percent of the time but it's one aspect of how to create the how to create focus which is part of our flowing focus and So, the other part of focus is um, timing is going to be a big issue, okay? So, you hear this concept of, you know, put your body into it, put your body into it. Okay, well, that's okay, but it's not 100% right. And I see this over and over and over is that, you know, you you can see people, um, you know, getting a lot of power putting their body into it, and sure it does. But in some cases, if the timing is off, then the only way to actually get a whole lot of power out of putting your body into it is to have some parts of your body overdeveloped because your legs are stronger than your arms. Your legs are stronger than your shoulders. So if you're putting your hip into it and that arm and that shoulder is not able to take that energy, then it's going to give unless you overdevelop those muscles so you see this a lot in boxing boxers have actually great a lot of them seen a lot of great really great hip motion a lot of great drive in it but because they don't have direct line reinforcement they'll typically overdevelop the shoulder muscles well that's okay that works but we don't want to have to do that you don't want to have to have a certain physique to make it work we want this to work for all physiques so when you have putting your body into it, yes, that's true, but you got to do it in certain ways. You got to have reinforcement, which we just talked about, and you got to have timing. So here's the deal if you're putting your body into it, think about when you're firing a weapon, you know, a punch, a heel pump, whatever, I don't care what weapon, any weapon, when you're firing your weapon, when do you need the reinforcement? When do you need the power transmission? You don't need it when. That your hand is traveling through the air. You need it on impact. And I'm going to actually say you're going to need it slightly in most cases after impact. Well, how is that true? Because there's a little bit of, of penetration which happens before you actually start to get the resistance of the body. So that's kind of a higher level. You, to, you learn to time things. You learn to time things to where there just as you get the resistance, which, you know, depending on where you're hitting the body, if if it's fleshy, it'll be a little deeper. If it's bony, it'll be right on the surface. So you need to time when your body reinforces that, when you get the body into the weapon. And that timing, as you go up, you will find, again, many, many differentiations because these timings can be way different through different beasts and this is one of the things that you determine skill level is how good is that timing how intricate and and I'll tell you in the beginning you think okay yeah I can get that you're getting it at a very base very gross level as you go up I mean I can remember experience going 20 years into martial arts and going oh now I get timing because your eyes open up just to it okay so early on you're just trying to get the idea but you get the weapon before body, you hear it all the time, weapon before body, the weapon gets out there, it fires, and the body reinforces at or just after the moment of impact, It kind of depending. So learn this timing, and your body for some reason, I don't know why, we didn't come with the owner's manual, but your body doesn't move this way. Your body always wants to, without your training, your body tends to want to move the body first and then the weapon, and so what you've done is you've created energy, you haven't put it anywhere, so therefore it's wasted, and then you put the weapon. So. Putting that, you know, you put your body into it, and sometimes it does nothing. And sometimes it's worse than not at all if you do it this way. A lot of people will put their body into it and they'll kind of lock that body into the weapon. Well, the weapon does lock into the body kind of in a way, but. not how a lot of people want to do it it the the less time the less amount of time that the weapon is aligned or locked into that body the better that you're gonna have better energy transfer so the weapons kind of move independently but united you want to remember that phrase independent but united you know because if you lock it into your body your weapon is now going to the speed of your body and that's not going to be nearly as fast as it possibly can be. So you want the, the putting your body into it to not reduce the speed of the weapon, but you want it to accelerate the speed of the weapon. And that happens only when they're united right at impact. So these are kind of overall concepts of that. Keep them in mind. We will put them in practice in, in classes. But if you kind of get the idea that, uh, of this, I think it will help in the long run. Um, even though it might not make perfect sense as to exactly what it means. Um, But you'll see it, if you keep it in mind, you're going to see this coming up in the different classes where this is talked about and mentioned, you're going to go, oh yeah, I heard that in the podcast, now I get it. So, um, weapons, timing, reinforcement, um, those things will help focus. Okay. Now, there's more to focus, but that should give kind of a gist of it. Um, the next thing is going to be um, actually one more. When we go back to reinforcement, we talk about your body moving as a unit with the weapon. So center line can, can help with focus. Now center line is basic principle. It's almost always there, but not always. Um, so if center line is there, it's more prevalent in the bear. Um, center line is there. What it does is it causes your body to move more as a unit. So everything is is unified together. Not just the weapon with the body, but the whole body. Because if you're if you don't have center line, then your shoulders are moving independently from your hips. And if that's happening, they're not moving as a unit, and therefore you're not utilizing the energy of the whole body. You're just putting the shoulders into it. And this is really common. Um, hate to say it, guys, but most guys do this. This is their biggest problem. They throw the shoulders in. They're off balance. They're not united with their their hips and therefore not united with the ground where the power comes from right so this is a guy problem because you know, this is actually the problem of, of being strong is that you, you throughout your life you learn to rely on your your shoulders your upper body strength but when you're talking about doing that with balance with proper body motion you tend to use just those and you forget about the legs and, um, you know, that's not the way it should be. See these guys with big upper, lots of upper body strength and there's stick legs. Well, what the heck is supporting all that strength? You know, nothing. It's actually very weak. So uniting center line is one of the things that will unite the, the body and with itself and therefore unite with the weapon. Okay. So, so that's enough about reinforcement or about focus which has the elements of reinforcement in it Um, now flowing well flowing pretty simple it doesn't stop right okay well there's a couple of ways um of examples of float fluid motion fluid motion um can happen through different methods one method um you're gonna be your most popular in learning shows, is through circles everything is circular even though in some cases it may seem linear there's always going to be not always but most of the time again speaking in generalities not always true but most of the time there's going to be some circle which allows for flow even if that circle is just a barely rounded edge you know you, you may have a, a 90 degree corner corner or whatever and you just barely round that edge off to give you a circle and that'll allow you to, to flow your energy. Your body is pretty complex. It's a pretty complex machine. It's got lots of joints and this and that. So you can you can find ways to move your body that you may even be able to, to move in a hundred and eighty degree change of direction but still flow that. Which brings up another way of flowing energy. Flowing energy can be preserved through using springs. So springs is usually going to be in your legs. Um, so again we mentioned earlier like in the tiger one leg may push against the other and then that creates a spring which pushes off. So we stored our energy and so it becomes very yin and then when it becomes extremely yin it can explode into the very yang. It can So you can have this flowing energy through stored energy. And when I say stored it doesn't actually stored and completely stop again there's some type of a tight circle in there which will will transfer that energy through um usually i mean sometimes you know in the crane you may peg a leg or in the same thing in the mongoose you may peg a leg to push off of and um there's the the, because the spring is so strong it may almost seem like a stop but anyway Digressing out in all different things, so we'll try and keep this more basic. Um, another way of another thing you can think about in flow is bouncing off at um, tangents. So there's, I think in physics it's called an angle of incidence. Um, I think I'm correct there. Angle of incidence. So if something, you know, a ball hits a wall at a 45, it bounces off at a 45. You know, if you're a pool player, you know this, right? So um, you can have things come off at, at angles of incidence. And so, say a, a block is a real good example of this. You may block, and your block is, is hitting uh, the arm. Well, not only does your block bounce off with its own energy, but it actually may steal some of the energy of that arm. I mean, they had energy coming at you, so when your, your block hit their arm, You know if you have a a a wall a ball that bounces off a a wall uh you kind of it that ain't through its angle of energy energy angle of incidence it preserves its energy but if that wall was moving at it then it might steal more energy so it's the same thing going to happen with this with our block is that we can hit at that angle and um which is very direct we want to hit dead on uh 90 degrees to the surface but because of the way moving, our body is moving and we come off at an angle um, and you not only preserve your own energy but you can actually steal energy in that case so that's another um, instance of flow and then another way of, of creating flow is you know you, we talked about your body and your, your weapon uniting so you may say you're, you're throwing a weapon let's say a, a rolling reverse punch and you're doing a rolling reverse punch as you're passing this body, okay? Well, you only reinforce during that moment of impact as the weapon's driving in. And then what you can do is, as that reinforces, you can let the, the weapon relax and bounce off, but your body continues to flow. So you continue the circle through your body, even though you're letting that weapon bounce out and and relax so it's not stopping you and you're on to the next weapon another way of flow is bouncing a weapon kind of like the block bouncing a weapon off of your body at 180 degrees which gives you a direction change so say you're doing a knee into and you've done a pass and you do a knee into the solar plexus or something Um, you'll find this in the technique evading overhead um, that you do this knee And that knee, because your body's, your opponent's body weight is on top of that knee and bouncing you back, that knee is going to change your direction 180 degrees and that flow of energy goes into the next weapon which in this case is the little uh, tiger ridge to the back of the neck. So you drive, the, instead of trying to stop the knee on your own, you drive it in as hard as you can, and that bounces you back and fires the next weapon. So that's another example of how to flow. So as you can see, there's more than one way to create flow, and in, depending on the circumstances, you'll use lots of different ways, and these are multiple differentiations of how to flow. As you go through the ranks, you'll get these, and right now, you know, this may be an introduction to those, and it may be kind of out there, I don't know, but keep them in mind. When you're learning stuff, you're gonna go, oh, that's, that's that, okay. So, put those all together, and you have the first requirement for Shoshu, which is flowing, focused chi. And you have to have all three. Chi by itself is no good, focused chi, that's not so good. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, that's okay, but flowing focus, Chi, is really what you want. That being said, when you're in the beginning ranks, we're not worried about flow. Why is that? Because if you get the basics right to create focus, they will eventually flow together properly. So, if thinking early on, thinking too much about flow can be highly detrimental to your martial art you know I, i've heard through the past people going oh they've got too much flow that's not possible what they mean is it's lacking reinforcement so learn the reinforcement first learn how to focus your energy first by getting good stances good hand weapons um direct line reinforcement shift to center line turn all of those things that create the reinforcement the the energy the, i should I keep saying reinforcement what i really mean is focus getting your energy not only creating energy, but focusing that energy. Don't worry about flow. Now, as you start to go through the ranks, the flow will start to come in, okay? But don't worry about it in the beginning. It will happen naturally on its own if you get the other things right. As a matter of fact, just forget about flow. Just think it's going to happen on its own and I don't think about it. So anyway, that's my big word of advice because you can really ruin your martial arts if all you think about is flow. so that being said, on to number two taking the opponent's center line. so since we went pretty deep into to number two I'm gonna keep or number one I'm gonna keep number two and three a little bit shorter because but taking opponents center line, um, You need to take your opponent's strength right away. You need to take your opponent's ability to fight you completely away. You don't want to be fighting your opponent. Okay? And how do we make them not fight? Well, if a person is slightly off balance, then they can't fight because they have to fight for their balance. There, There's an automatic thing that goes on in the brain that... If a person is off balance, the brain tries to ride it. And it takes over everything. And I think it's one of you know, the basic things, if you look into neurology, the theories are is this is what created humans to start growing bigger brains, is the ability to stand up straight on two feet. And that skill takes a lot of processing power in the brain. Um, it's what caused our brains to grow, according to... Um, Different evolutionary scientists. So you get this. You take away balance, and it affects like the this primary function in the brain, and um, it takes over. So I, I oftentimes I'll do a, a thing where I do it like a one-finger takedown, and it's kind of funny. It, it's really simple. You guys may catch it in one of the classes. But a one-finger takedown basically locks the spine and takes the you know the head backwards and it's kind of it looks super easy and it is once you get it but there's a little trick to it um but the funny thing about the one finger takedown is that the person that's being done on you think they should be able to reach up and pull the finger off i put the finger directly under the nose and you think i just pull that under the nose there's also two finger takedown same different idea but, but same idea same concept You'd think that they would be able to reach up and pull the finger off of the nose, which is taking them down. But they can't because the brain takes over and says, throw the hands back to catch myself and to try and catch, get balance. So They're, they're trying to get, regain their balance and they're trying to catch themselves if they fall. And that overrides everything in the brain and they cannot reach up and take the finger off. So it's it's kind of a, a cool demonstration of this but if once you've seen this you go well you realize how powerful somebody being off center line is um and don't you'll hear in the future the term over center line it's not the same as off center line okay but anyway so when a person is a little bit off balance so their weight is shifted back on their heels a little bit too much or they're their momentum's going forward or something. Their body, their brain takes over and forces them every bit of processing power to um, right their balance or to catch themselves. What one of the two, usually both. So every single move you do, if you look at the very first motion, there's got to be something in there that takes center line. If you do not do this your opponent is still fighting you. You have not mastered the situation. You, have, you do not have control. And if you look at people in more skilled, people that are skilled in, in different martial arts, you know, whatever, boxing or yeah, different forms, MMA or what have you, um, they have done a lot to master their center line so that they're not taken off balance. And um, so they, of course, become a, a hard, more difficult opponent. And there's more advanced strategies for taking center line there. But just keep in mind, every single thing you do must take center line. If the guy's just standing there on center, it's not right, and you've not taken control. You have not. You're still fighting. The fight's not yours. But as soon as you've taken center line, and then you maintain them off center line. I, I always think back to Dashford doing this, his little giggle, and he'd always say how so much funner to keep somebody just a little bit off balance and re- rather than actually throw them because the little bit off balance you maintain control you have absolute you have control of what's going on and there's ways you can just keep that balance slightly off um and then that it's you have complete mastery of the situation so um that's number two so you could have flowing focus and she. But not take centerline which is why i take throw in this is take centerline as a prerequisite for calling it sure if it's not there then um there's something wrong with what, what's going on there so let's go on to number three block all possibilities now this seems kind of weird that you should be able to block all possibilities um and here's what i want you to think about okay The body can only move in so many ways, and if you're able to limit the way your opponent's body can move, then there's only so many things to block, and how do you do this? Well, when you're at a distance, you know, you're standing 15 feet away from each other, you can't. They can move in any way they want, right? But you're 15 feet away. You're outside of fighting distance. Okay, which is one of the reasons why knowing your fighting distance is critical, and you want to you want to keep your opponent outside of this fighting distance because the possibilities of what they throw can throw are great. If they're inside of your fighting distance and you haven't done anything to limit those possibilities, there's, there's they can still throw lots of things, and then you're in danger. But once a, a person has made a move, they're outside of fighting distance and they attack. Now, the, as soon as they, they, they launch an attack, a lot of the possibilities have gone away because there's momentum involved, there's bodies moving in a certain way. So at that moment, the possibilities have diminished greatly. Not completely gone to zero, but have diminished. So this is why, of course, you never attack. I mean, we're all good people. We don't attack others. Um, However, wait for another podcast for the definition of my my definition of attack. Um, So don't just say that doesn't mean we don't throw the first punch. That's not true. But we don't attack. Um, When your opponent attacks, it limits their possibilities, it diminishes their possibilities. Now, our next response should diminish those possibilities even more, down to maybe like one okay one two tops how do you do this In i've seen a lot of, of explanations of fighting distance and people will say okay well this is karate fighting distance way back because they want to do kicks and you know this next closest distance may be i'm making this up maybe kung fu distance because they want to use their hands more. I, i'm totally making this up um uh i'm the next fighting distance in is um, wrestling distance okay so because they want to grapple well i would argue that there's one closer distance than wrestling distance and this is shows Shoshu distance how can you be closer than wrestling distance i mean bodies are against each other right because when you're close and you have center line or at least center where you have control of your body In wrestling distance, you may have the shoulders and the upper body in, but the lower body out, okay? But in Shoshu distance, you have both in, meaning not only are you in tight with your weapons, and we can fire weapons from close and have lots of energy on them, but your lower body in, and guess what your legs are doing? Your legs are checking possibilities, okay? They're checking where they can step and what they can do. So, say for example, you do a pass like, uh, let's see, we don't have a. Oh, we have some passing techniques. Maybe we'll go back to evading. In the orange belt, you're gonna see this more. In the yellow belt, we don't have a lot of passes. But if you pass with, say, a parry, you pass so close, which one creates an illusion, which we'll, we'll talk about at a later point. But um, it also gets your lower body in close to where you're not only checking their weapons, but you your upper their upper body to weapons, but you've checked their feet and you've determined where they can step because you may have your stance driving into their legs um, from the outside, from the inside. It doesn't matter where you are, you do this all the time. You're always consistently positioning your body to where you have very defensible, you're not you're you don't have an open center line. Um, but you're also checking your opponent's body. So, say if you do a a, a parry, say against a a straight punch, right? Somebody comes in with a straight punch, you parry it, uh, they throw a right, you're parrying it with your left, you step into a horse stance, okay, well, what else could they they throw? They could throw the elbow of the same hand, okay? Um, So you position your cover hand to check that, right? Uh, If you step in close enough, you have checked their front leg with your left leg so now they can only continue to move in that straight line or they could spin so the only weapon they have at that point is then their other elbow they could spin around it's a long shot but they could possibly spin around so all you got to do now is put your cover hand out where it's supposed to be protecting your face and you have blocked all possibilities that means you've set yourself up in a position where there are very few possibilities in this case just the left elbow um, and you've put a block where that um, possible weapon can be thrown now whether he throws it or not it'll determine the next motion um, and you learn to react to that but regardless you have now blocked possibilities starting from zero where we're outside of distance um, there are many possibilities to where they start to move, limiting the the possibilities down to fewer, to where you're moving in a position to where you have now checked other po- almost the majority of the possibilities, leaving one, two, three, or you know up to up to maybe three possibilities, hopefully one, and you've blocked that before it happens. And it usually won't happen, but if it does, you've already got it blocked. So that is the number three, blocking all possibilities. And I hope that's clear how that works. Um, But it it comes off when you do it as, as kind of magic, because what happens is like you're predicting what they could throw if they you're, if they throw something, you've already predicted that they would throw that weapon. And it, it comes off as magic because you were there before they threw it. You were blocking it before they threw it. You're like it's like mind reading. But it's not. It's just simple. The body can only move in so many ways and you start to train your body and what this training really is is when you're training you're visualizing talked about how important visualizing is and you're visualizing your own openings where do i have openings and you're you're blocking and you're checking those right uh in in your motion so you become aware of the what we call proprioception the space around you and you're constantly checking any space that may become open. You're blocking those areas as it may come open. So it may seem wild and far fetched right now, but as you get deeper and deeper into Shoshu, you can see this happening constantly. Every move has it. Every move has it. So. If you ever, you know, look at a technique and, you know, say you got a technique and you want to know if you're doing it right, you can ask these three questions. For beginners, don't worry about flow too much, but as you advance, you, you'll want it. But so the three questions Does it have flowing focus and chi? Like I said, beginners, just focus, chi is fine for now. Um, flow will come along. Okay. Number two Does it take your opponent's center line? A lot of times that one's missed. Three, does doesn't block all possibilities? Beginners will tend to step in the wrong direction, leaving too big of a gap, and not being able to block possibilities. possibility. So you can always check yourself in that to see if you're... If those three things are true, then you've got Shoshu. Now, it's not the formal definition of Shoshu. formal definition of Shoshu is when you're combining all seven beasts. Okay? But... At this basic level, I think it's a good definition, a good definition to help you understand what Shoshu is. Going back to me, I think every martial art should have this. I think these three things are so fundamental. And my theory is, is that all of the martial arts that have existed for a long time, I think that at least a lot of them did you can see evidence of it you can see that certain motions uh in different arts you know like say the the c-step i see is common lots of martial arts well that you know your hips are moving we don't do a c-step a lot maybe come up a little bit here and there but for the most part it's not something like formalized in the system but you see it I'm just using this in as, as an example. If you have a, a C-step, well, if you're doing that motion, your hips are moving in a way that are generating power. But what what I, you see most of the time is you see the power generation and then the weapon fired. should be the other way around. We- fire the weapon, weapon before body, and then create the, the power. So I think there's a lot of evidence that this existed in at least a lot of different martial arts, maybe not all, at some point in history. So, if you're a uh, beginning martial artist or you're an advanced martial artist, pay attention to these three attributes: flowing focus chi, taking your opponent's center line, and blocking all pars- possibilities. If you're an advanced martial artist in uh, another form other than Shosho, take these back to your art and think about them. and, and Can you apply them? I bet you can. I bet that that no matter what level you're at, that if you see examples of how this is done, you can take this back to your own system and you can put these in. And I don't think that that is in any way doing anything wrong in your system. And I think that it's very possible that your system may have had these things at some point in the past. I see that as evidence. So anyway, we're going to wrap up this podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it. And I'm going to give a shout out to, um, again, this is part of our Shoshu.com Learning Martial Arts Online Program. So if you're not registered there, um, make sure you have an account and you're you're learning some of this in our free lessons online. It's all there. Shoshu.com, S-H-O-U, S-H-U.com. If you're listening to this on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you are, you know, the biggest thanks we can get is to say that thanks in a comment. Give us a, a five star rating there if you, if you like it. Um, if you don't, you can send me a nasty email. That's fine. Get plenty of those all the time. And, uh, I, sometimes enjoy them um but if you do like it leave that rating that is the uh the best that's kind of a that's a salute to us right that's a salute for the time we take to put this out and i really appreciate those ratings on itunes stitcher or where else wherever else you are hearing this podcast and then the other last thing i want to recommend is that if you're if you haven't jumped up and bought some of our premium products on show, show i'm really going to recommend those the uh, the the yellow A um, B or C or there's a package where you can buy all three Um, you know if you want to buy the yellow A it's like twenty bucks and um, you get all of the techniques on the yellow A card done by black belts on people fast slow in the air and uh, by the numbers and this does a couple of things for you the one thing it really gets you to visualize a lot how it works a lot of times you see something in your head of how a technique works and you're like you didn't really get the picture and you see it done right um, by a black belt fast you get a much better picture of what's really going on we can't do that in the classes because one we don't have somebody who's skilled at being hit so um, you don't see that in the classes as much but we did take a um, couple of weekends and got some people toughened up and ready to take some shots and the black belts did techniques on them so you'll want to you want to see that to get a really good visual of um, how those techniques are done the next thing it does is you're able to put those these are just you know all of these most of these are like little five second clips just the technique done slow and you can put those on repeat and or watch them over and over and you can really pick up the body motion. We communicate, you know, visual communication is really one way. And so in, in the end is the fastest way to learn Shoshu. You want to become a visual learner, but you don't want to stick at visual. You want to v- be visual transferring to kinesthetic. So you l- watch it and you try to feel in your own body the way the black belt is showing it. So in the class, you're mostly seeing the other students, and that's, that's for a reason, because you want to see the common mistakes, because you can correct those mistakes, but you also want to get the you know a black belt doing it to see the body motion, and what we have is what's called mirror neur- neurons, and mirror neurons is when you look at somebody else, and you can kind of feel what they're feeling and that is what we want to use for their highest level of learning Shoshu is mirror neurons and you're going to get that right through that yellow a premium program so just go up to the upgrade link and hit that and you'll get that the third thing I think that's really important is repetition you want to practice these techniques over and over and over and when you have this yellow a program that makes it really easy because you just repeat this the, you set it on by the numbers, and they do the techniques by the numbers one, two, three. And you can follow along one, two, three, and just set that to play for a while um, and get that repetition really built in. And then it will be yours, it will be all yours. It's not something you know. But it's something you have. I always tell my students, you don't want to be renting this stuff. You want to own it. You want your to be yours. So you're going to get all of that in the, uh, the Yellow A Premium. If you have not purchased that, I highly recommend it. If you want to get the same thing on, uh, and you'd rather have it on DVD, we do have it up there as a DVD also. And with the DVD, you also get the bonus of you have all the kicks and blocks put together. So it's a two-DVD set. DVD one has um, all these techniques done fast slow by the numbers on opponents all that DVD 2 has all your basics your kicks your blocks and all that so either way you go um, we can the online is a little cheaper because we can serve it easier faster online um, so I think that's at 20 bucks or if you want to buy all three it's uh, I don't know there's you get a little bit off off the, the total You save a little money there. Um, or if you want it on DVD, we can just plug it in and play it at home and and hit it on. The DVD is a little extra special because you can, there's a play all and you can play all of them by the numbers or play all of them by, um, by medium speed or whatever and that's a really good way to practice you put that in your dvd player you hit play all and you just follow right along and for when you're building it in it's not really great for learning it from scratch it's not that it's not meant for that whatsoever but when you want to build it in and make it a strong part of your body that that dvd is really really great for that so anyway um again leave us a a uh, five-star rating if you could, if you like it. If not, just send me a nasty email. And um, also, get out there, tell somebody about else about this podcast. Maybe it'll help somebody else. And that's another way of saying thanks. And we really appreciate that. We appreciate you sharing this content. We appreciate you telling your friends about the podcast. We appreciate you hitting our blog posts on there and sharing them on Twitter and Facebook and all that. And most of all, we appreciate your hard work as a student here in Learning Shoshu. We love to see this art passed on. We we're making sure that it gets passed on right. And we love that you're involved with that and a part of this. We um, think it's going to be... Uh, history making event. so our history it's not an event it's a process history making process so again thank you and thank you for listening and i'll see you on podcast number three